0: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
1: Okay, here we go on the One of Ed podcast. It is David Chip coming to you as always with my compatriot, the man, Miles V. Miles, how you doing after Super Wild Card Weekend? Everything okay over there? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. Yeah, no, it's, uh,
0: it's been great. It's been a lot of football consumed, uh, both weeks one through 18, as well as this, this super wild card weekend. And I want to talk a second about the quarterback position and a hot take that I had earlier this season. Um, I'd say earlier to the middle part of the season, my eyes were telling me that the quarterback position was becoming a young man's game. Yeah. And the veterans like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and even Carson Wentz, you know, who's 30 years old, they're just not cutting it. And you remember, because you pointed it out, the week I said it, they benched Matt Ryan. And I think Tom Brady had a meltdown, the Packers lost, et cetera. And I saw a statistic this week about the age of the quarterbacks left in the playoffs. And yeah, yeah you, I, you saw that one?
1: Yeah, Mah- Mahomes is the the... Grizzled veteran at like 28 or something like that. 27. Yeah. 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 The average age
0: was like 25. And you got guys like Trevor Lawrence at 23 and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow at 26. And then moving over to the, even the NFC, you know, you got Brock Purdy as a rookie and Daniel Jones as young. Anyway, you can see this huge correlation between playoff teams still alive and the age of the quarterback, you know, Dak Prescott right now at 29 is the oldest quarterback left. And I feel like it wasn't that long ago he was throwing touchdowns for Mississippi State. So it's it's weird to see that change. And I'm, I'm bringing up this point for two reasons. Uh, first, I, I think it's very interesting that the young quarterbacks are getting it done and leading their teams. And you can see that the mobile quarterback is really a difference maker, right? Yeah. Guys like Jalen Hurts, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, even Daniel Jones has now started running the ball. So I'd expect other mobile guys like Justin Fields to be up here in the years to come. But second, you know, we're going to hear for the next six months, oh, what's going to happen to Tom Brady? Oh, what's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers? It's going to be countless day after day of just predicting and talking about this nonsense. And I submit to you, I think it's all irrelevant. I think that. It doesn't matter anymore. I know these are people's favorite quarterbacks. These are Hall of Fame players. I just don't see any more Peyton Manning-type Super Bowls with the Broncos where the old quarterback throws for 140 yards and gets the win. I I think it's over, and I just, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to hearing all the discussion about those guys
1: yeah i think you bring up a good point where you talk about the mobile quarterback being valuable and i think what you're seeing is a real shift in the style of play in the nfl which definitely happens you know, you look at things like fantasy where running backs are, are less regarded now because they just don't last. And I think that the current conventional wisdom in the NFL is you have to have a quarterback who can move a little bit. And those classic, you know, pocket passers like Matt Ryan, like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady are just out of vogue and they're not what's being developed. That's not what you see coming out of the college ranks. Uh, and you're absolutely right. In terms of Brady, I think he's done. In terms of Rodgers, I think he will come back somewhere to try and get a last Brady-like hurrah. Uh, but I think his past is sell date.
0: Oh, 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 that's so disgusting. Yeah, I feel like uh, Tony Romo got it right. You know, he got out while the getting was good, got a job in the booth, and I think very highly
1: of him. So that's that's the route I wish that those guys would go. Well, we will see. It'll be an eventful off season as usual. But let's take a look backward at Super Wildcard Weekend. As usual, the NFL delivered a cornucopia of excitement, of surprises, and just to remind our listeners, what you and I did is because we sort of recapped all the money part of won a bet during the regular season. We didn't make monetary bets on these wildcard games, but we did talk about all of them. And we indicated the games that we would have made a bet on. So there were four games that I would have made a bet on, and we'll talk about those. And there were three that Miles uh, had bet on.
0: Yeah, but let's talk about all of the games. Let's go through them all. I think, I think our listeners want to hear, hear our take on what happened, and especially because this was such a an interesting I mean, I, I don't remember three days of wild card games. That was a
1: first. I don't ever remember that before. That was weird. I'm not sure if they had the Monday night game in weeks past. I think that might have been the little bit of an anomaly. Because it used to be that Monday night football ended like the second to last week of the regular season. There typically isn't one the last week of the regular season, which there wasn't this week. But I don't remember a Monday night playoff game. But who knows? yeah.
0: Well, it added it added to the fun of the of the long holiday weekend.
1: I did see a I did see a funny meme, which was basically a Dak Prescott complaining about the Monday night game because he needed seven day advance to cancel his cruise plans <laughs> for the following weekend, which he wasn't going to get for playing on Monday night. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, I already heard that Dallas was complaining that uh, they've got to play on Saturday on five days rests uh, as well. So it's just.
1: Enough already. They didn't really get taxed in their game. We'll get to all that. Let's go back to the first game. Uh, so the first game of wildcard weekend was uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, versus the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks were getting a lot of points, 9.5. The over-under was 42.5. And the final was 41-23. I had a bet on this game. I had the over at 42.5. And I got to say that I really nailed this bet. I mean, I know things typically tighten up in the playoffs. I just had a feeling that the 49ers were going to continue to roll offensively. Uh, They did. The Seahawks would at least do their part to score some points. They definitely did. They actually led 17-16 at halftime. But Miles Brock Purdy is not a man to be trifled with. Brock Purdy throws for three touchdowns. He rushes for a four. This guy's come out of nowhere. 49ers score 25 points in the second half. They almost hit the over by themselves. This is the best team in football right now. They are good on all three phases of the game. They can score in a bunch of different ways. They know how to put teams away. They host Dallas next week. That's going to be a a hell of a game. Yeah, I laid off this game because I was concerned about Brock Purdy's
0: inexperience, and I was concerned about Pete Carroll's extensive experience coaching. And at the end of the first half, I was feeling happy that I laid off the game because I didn't expect the game to be that close, let alone Seattle having the lead. It seemed like San Francisco would finish their drives with a field goal, and Seattle was finishing their drives with a touchdown, and that type of differential was starting to make a difference. but. The second half was an entirely different game, and San Francisco returned back to the form of beating their teams by double digits. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to go out and here's a hot take. I think the 49er trade for Christian McCaffrey may end up being one of the biggest football trades of all time if the 49ers can win this year's Super Bowl. I mean, we're talking Babe Ruth, Yankees, Red Sox type lore. Right. The once in a century type thing. This trade did not get enough talk back when it happened.
1: Yeah, it's probably
0: because the 49ers were only three and three at the time and no one except maybe you, uh, you know, saw them coming out of the West as being a, a, a playoff caliber team. But looking at what they put together, uh,
1: I really think that 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 trade was critical. Now, I know I didn't bet San Francisco minus the points. I had the over, so I was pretty happy at halftime, but I really felt at halftime that San Francisco was going to come back and win. I didn't know if they were going to cover at that point, but they just wear you down, and they just are relentless, and that adds up over time. And again, they can beat you through the air. They can beat you on the ground. They're really, really solid. I was not at all worried that they weren't going to win this game, and I, I think they're really the team to beat in the playoffs right now.
0: Yeah. I I think you're right. They've got, I think they were riding a 10 game win streak. I don't know if that was regular season or included this
1: game, but yeah, I agree. It was a 10 game win streak that started exactly when they got Christian McCaffrey. So you're right. That, that trade just flipped a switch for them and they've been going gangbusters ever since.
0: Well, good for you on getting the overwrite. Um, you know, I, I also thought overall that the Niners would win but I just wasn't ready to bet them but that would have been one that came through
1: well speaking of games uh that were surprises that didn't come through the next game on Saturday was the Chargers Jacksonville uh Chargers were favored on the road two and a half uh over under was 47 and a half Yeah, I wasn't on this game because I'm a seasoned Charger, you know, beaten down fan. So I know not to bet this team in the playoffs, but man, just typical Charger. I think I texted you afterwards. So on brand for the Chargers to collapse like they did. You were on this game, so... I was on this game. I I had it wrong, though. Uh, I mean, what I
0: should have done was listen to my lesson 1A and start trusting myself and betting the home underdog because this was a case where the home dog came in with Jacksonville winning. But when I first started watching the game, I actually texted Donnie Wheels and I asked whether he knew if Trevor Lawrence was colorblind or not because Trevor Lawrence completed about the same number of passes to the Charger defense as he did to his receivers that was an ugly first half of football for Mr. Lawrence, you know, they, they should, have put, should have put him in a body bag. Um, but again, this was a tale of two halves. And while many might give credit to Trevor Lawrence leading uh second half comeback, uh, I don't, I, I'm sorry, but I have to kind of chalk this up to the chargers, typical claps. Um, And I don't know that anyone's really that surprised. I mean, you, as a Charger fan, you weren't surprised in the slightest.
1: No, I mean, when Jacksonville scored at the end of the first half, after that crazy first quarter with all the interceptions, I sort of said to the people around me, that is not a good sign. And in the second half, Trevor Lawrence stops throwing interceptions. Joey Bosa starts throwing his helmet Yes, there were some bad calls. Yes, an offsides was missed, but you still can't do that. The Chargers, they snatched defeat from Vic, from the Jaws of Victory in spectacular fashion. And yeah, I wasn't on this game because I just I just didn't have a good feeling about, you know, not just my team, but how they were gonna come into it. Again, Jacksonville had rolled them earlier in the season. I thought the Chargers defense was gonna give up points, and they did. Look, I didn't see five turnovers coming from the Jaguars. I, I did say. If there was any bet I was going to make, which I didn't, that I would have taken the over, which which came in. Look, if there's one good thing that might come out of it, it hasn't happened yet. I actually think the Chargers are throwing their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, under the bus because he got fired, along with their passing strategist, whoever the hell that is, uh, in order for Brandon Staley to keep his job. I think Brandon Staley needs to go. He's not the guy. He's had time to prove he's not the guy. I really wish they would go out and get a Sean Payton because I think they've got great pieces. They just don't have the right leadership in place.
0: Yeah, this would have been a perfect game for you for in-game betting because I think you started sensing this game slipping away. And I could see you taking Jacksonville, you know, plus points in the middle of the game and and coming through with a win. This was not a perfect game for in-game betting if you bet $1.4 million <laughs> yeah. on the Chargers when they were leading 27-0 in order to net 11. Eleven thousand five hundred.
1: I mean, I think you and I don't understand the psychology of the bet. The obvious question is why do you need to bet to win eleven thousand dollars if you can put up one point four million? I, I it's so mind boggling. Yeah, I, I thought this game was gonna go under.
0: That ended up not being the trend this whole super wildcard weekend. Most of the games went over, and I think, you know, Dallas, Tampa Bay probably should have gone over, but for hundred and thirty seven missed extra points.
1: Um <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about Brett Maher in a minute. So, that, that was uh, like watching Steve Sachs place <laughs> blossom base. onto a football field. <laughs> yeah. You just watch the yips getting in that guy's head. Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Like I said, the next game uh, on Sunday outside of the Chargers collapse. This was the biggest surprise of the weekend. And this was Miami uh, who went into the game plus 13 into Buffalo Over under was 46 and a half. So we were both on this game. I liked Buffalo to cover uh, despite the big spread. You liked the under and neither of those things happened. What happened in this game?
0: Well, I was right about one thing. I did say Josh Allen would continue a streak of throwing an interception and he did. He actually threw two, but Andy lost a fumble. (laughs) But that that's about where it ended for me. I. I thought, you know, with Miami not being able to score a touchdown in week 18 in a in a week where they needed to win against the Jets, that they just weren't going to put up any points. And I was wrong, man. So Miami surprised the hell out of me. Um, they almost stole this game from the Bills. Uh, and 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 I, they probably would have if Jalen Waddell looked like <laughs> <Could> himself. <catch. laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. what happened there. He dropped a bunch of balls. Skylar Thompson looked great. Um, I know Tyreek Hill might have been a little nicked up, but no, uh, this scares the crap out of uh, my pick uh, earlier in the season of the Bills, you know, being in the AFC Super Bowl, uh, you know, spot because they almost pissed this one away.
1: Yeah. Let's give credit to Skylar Thompson because uh, I called him out on the podcast last week just pointing out that his stats had been historically one of the worst in the NFL this year. And he found a heartbeat. I I don't know that I would call him great, but he certainly was serviceable. And when you have a young quarterback who needs kind of mental um, help, in terms of confidence, and you have a receiving core that dropped at least four or five passes. Mike Kosicki dropped a pass. I think Tyreek Hill dropped one. That's just devastating. Imagine what this game could have been if those four or five, six drop passes are caught. We could have really been talking about the craziest upset in playoff history. Buffalo's very very lucky to escape with this game and, and you're right the turnovers from Josh Allen were a big part of it. They better pull it together next week or they are going to be watching from home pretty quickly cuz Cincinnati's no joke.
0: Yeah, they're going to play Cincinnati in what I'm calling the JaMar Hamlin rematch game because Cincinnati's pissed that that game ended up being, you know, didn't count for anything and they kind of lost a chance at home field. So, you know, I- I've noticed in sports, you know, there are these great teams that ultimately end up winning their championship, whether it's NCAA basketball or whether it's, you know, NCAA football or or even NFL football. But that team has to have that one game where they get a scare, you know, that really kind of shocks them into being like, oh, my God, we can't afford to do that anymore. Let's pull ourselves together. And I think that this could have been Buffalo's week for that. And we'll get into it a little later, but it might have also been Cincinnati's week for that against Baltimore. But let's talk about the Giants-Minnesota uh, Vikings game. Oh, yes, let's. You, you <laughs> made a great pick there, dude. You took the Giants
1: on the money line. Yeah. You
0: outright refused to take the points. You own that game.
1: Yeah, though. Um, I, thank you for pointing that out. And what was nice about this week uh, in the playoff games is even though we weren't betting you know, monetary values, we both had a couple of really sharp bets, and we'll talk about one of yours uh, in that Cincinnati game. But um, yeah, you know this was the upset special. Everybody was really on uh, New York to cover the three points. Uh, they were a three-point underdog going into Minnesota. The over-under was 48. I just felt that several things were coming to bear to push me over to the Giants' money line. Number one, Daniel Jones has really found another gear. That guy has been fantastic the last month. Number two, as we've discussed, the Minnesota Vikings were probably the most inconsistent team going into the playoffs. Despite their record, their defense has been atrocious. And number three, the history of Kirk Cousins not showing up in big games. So all of those things, you know, collided and I went with, uh, you know, the, the money line and that really came through. And, you know, Let's be fair. Kirk Cousins did not play horribly, except maybe throwing for a three-yard pass, at fourth and eight in the end of the game. Uh, But Daniel Jones was just better. Daniel Jones rushed for 80 yards. He was the leading scorer, uh, threw for over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns. He has just been lighting it up. Crazy stat of the year. This was the Vikings' first loss in a one-score game all season. But, you know, you just had a feeling it was going to happen Defense was their Achilles heel again. They were giving up over eight yards of play in the first half. I mean, neither of these t fences were great. There were eight touchdown drives in this game that were 75 yards or longer. That is not great defense. That does not bode well, really, for the Giants either, you know, going any further in the playoffs, but uh, they did hold on and they did beat the Vikings and upset them in this game.
0: You can see that in the Vikings defense. It's been like that all year. And when they lose 41 to three to Dallas, you know, it's no surprise that their defense is just, you know, going to get shredded like that. And I've noticed in the last two to three weeks that Daniel Jones has added the rushing quarterback aspect to his game. And he's getting a bunch of first downs with his legs and that's translating into just a whole entirely new dimension for that New York giants offense. So good for them. It was a good win. I think the people of New York have a lot to be excited about, you know, new coach who's likely going to be coach of the year. Uh, Saquon Barkley looks like the Saquon Barkley out of Penn state. Uh, I think, I think that they're going to be uh, a a team to be reckoned with, you know, in the years to come with what they've got.
1: I think they, will be a team to be reckoned with in the years to come but not next week cuz next week they're going to lose to Philadelphia. Right.
0: Well, unlike th- the Vikings who are going to need to really improve on defense if they want a return trip to the playoffs and I mean the Vikings I think their spell of being out of the Super Bowl is is, is like going on 31 odd years or something like that. A really long time since since making a Super Bowl appearance.
1: Yeah, I know they're not going to make a change but Kirk Cousins is not the guy I am not anywhere close to all in on that guy. I just, he just historically is a head case when it comes to big games. And that's a problem, obviously, when you're trying to push your team to the next level and be in prime time and be in these games that are massive and, you you know, these tough games that you have to win. I mean, and they, yes, they won close games, but they did it against bad teams. And they just were so frustrating, very hard for us to handicap this year. So glad I saw this one coming.
0: Well, the next game is the one of my games that came in, and it only came in because I had to do some crazy point spread differential allocation buying down in order for it to happen, but it happened, and this was Cincinnati-Baltimore, where Cincinnati, when I bet them on Tuesday, were favored by seven. I bought it down to six and a half. I think ultimately that spread went up to eight and a half, And I said, you know what? I see Cincinnati winning, but I don't want it to be at seven. I want to take it at six and a half. And they won by seven. And I finally made a pick where I look like a
1: genius, right? Exactly right. This is the reason why you won the season, making savvy bets like this and buying the hook. I was also on this game at seven and I just thought seven was going to be enough. So I technically would have tied and got my money back. You savvily would have collected your winnings and, you know, gone off to the casino to play poker with them so good for you this to me felt like a division rivalry game that was closer because it was a division rivalry game these teams do not like each other Uh, and you could see that the handshake you could see that at the handshake at the end of the game those coaches wanted nothing to do with each other John Harbaugh certainly was in a pissy mood all day. gave one of the <laughs> roughest halftime interviews to uh, that poor reporter. He was he was not uh, he was grumpy. Let's just put it that way. And let's be honest, Cincinnati very easily could have lost this game. Baltimore is driving. They have the ball you know, inside the five. Tyler Huntley tries to go for the touchdown. They knock it out of his hand. And then you have a defensive lineman running 98 yards. Question, Miles, was it a block in the back? I say no. I'm going to say no, too. He was on the side. How
0: fast is Mark Andrews, though, man? That guy booked it in the high gear. He's the one that
1: ended up catching him. That was surprising to me. That's a big dude. That was his DK Metcalf moment, where he def—well, he was chasing down a defensive lineman. But yeah, uh, you know, in Cincinnati, you know, you're we talking about getting through a game that was a scare. This game was really tight for them, and uh, you know, has Lamar Jackson played his last game in Baltimore? Yeah, right. That
0: that'll be interesting to follow as well. But getting back to Cincinnati, I mean. One of the things that I noticed about them the, this last month, maybe six weeks, is just how their defense has improved. And they're not just an explosive offense, but their defense ends up getting points for them and ends up coming up big. They did come up big this game with that one turnover, you know, fumble return, if you will. But they did allow a lot of yards to uh, to Baltimore. I was surprised at at how good they made the Baltimore offense look, considering. I don't think the Baltimore offense without Lamar Jackson is all that dynamic. This game was a lot closer, I thought, than it should have been. And a lot of people would say that, you know, that one, you know, goal line turn of events, which is a 14-point differential, you know, was the game changer. Whether it was or wasn't, uh, I think that's the wake-up call for Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, like I said, divisional rivalry game. These teams know each other really well. Clearly a lot of animosity. It was tight. It was violent, and Cincinnati's lucky lucky to be moving on. So going into the last game of Super Wild Card Weekend, neither of us were on this game. This was Dallas Tampa Bay. Miles, what did you think of this game?
0: So I had people ask me who I liked in this game, and my my thought was I don't want to go against my lessons one and one A. I, I you know I see that Tampa Bay is a home dog and know, yada yada with Brady and all of his historical statistics, but when I really thought about breaking down the game, although I wasn't bold enough to make the bet, yeah, I thought Dallas is one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams where sometimes they're really great and sometimes they're not. But I can see this as being a time where they're going to be great. Uh, here's a little hint: this this week coming up is where I think they're gonna they're gonna not be so great. But I did think for the Monday night game. Uh, they were gonna win. I thought that they play well. that first half was almost flawless by them. I really thought they played exceptional, flawless if you take out the kicking game, of course um, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah. I've seen a lot of the of of the buccaneers games this year and they played like they played all year. I mean remember this is a team that you know won the division with a losing overall record. This is a team that's had to throw the ball over 50 times multiple times in the game. This is a team that Tom Brady takes 3 steps back and gets rid of it so he doesn't get hit. I never thought Tampa Bay was going to be all that threatening. You just needed Dallas to show the side of that team that can be dominant, but you know, the team that played Minnesota and crushed them and and that really was this game. So, I it wasn't a very great game to watch. Um but it certainly went according to how I would have thought. And I'm actually a little surprised at myself for not actually going on a limb and and taking Dallas in the situation.
1: I think Tom Brady might have to retire because his arm probably fell off after that game. He threw 66 passes. I, I mean, that is crazy. And you could see Tampa Bay just abandoning the running game. They had 51 yards rushing as a team during the game. They were shut out in the first half. It was pretty complete, the domination by the Cowboys. Cowboys have a 53-man roster. 52 of them played great. Brett Maher, if I'm the Cowboys... You can say publicly that you're supporting your kicker and you trust in him going forward, but going into the second round of the playoffs, when you have a kicker who's missed four extra points, that has got to be in his head. That's got to be in the team's head. I hate having that negative juju bouncing around at this point in the season. That was crazy. That was four in a row. I mean, and,
0: and, and, you know, when he went right and then compensated by going left, okay. I could see that, but man, he wasn't even fucking close. Um, yeah, he's gotta be feeling like just the worst. And I don't, Kickers have it tough, man. There's very little glory for being a kicker, and there's a lot of blame that goes around when you don't do your
1: job. Wait a minute. What do you mean little glory? If you make a last-second field goal to win a game, all the glory's on you. I mean, it is a mental, me- mental game, but you do get the glory.
0: Aside from, aside from Adam Vinatieri, I can't think of a kicker who has like a, quote, storied career that people talk about. Unless your last name might be Zendejas, and that just might be because there's been like 11 Zendejas kickers.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's one of those positions where when you have an elite kicker and you can count on those 54, 55-yard field goals, it really gives your team and your, your game an added dimension. That is that's, you know It's one of those positions that I guess you're not really focusing on it unless they're terrible and miss four extra points. I will be very, very curious to watch the first extra point attempt in the game next week to see where Maher's head's at because that is not the feeling that you want going into you know deeper parts of the playoffs. And let, let me just take a second and uh, you know acknowledge Russell Gage another scary injury in that game. I think he's going to be okay, but we were reminded once again that football is a violent, difficult game. And these guys are really putting their their bodies on the line to play it.
0: Yeah, I didn't like seeing that, especially so close to the Damar Hamlin
1: Hamlin situation. Yeah, absolutely. So coming out of Super Play Super Wildcard Weekend, just to recap a little bit, I I had made four bets. I was two one and one. You were one and two.
0: Yeah, not my best showing. I mean, I I was afraid of the points, to be honest, and that trend is going to continue this week because a lot of these games have a lot of points that are, that are being given. And I definitely don't like giving more than a touchdown in a game. And I think that's going to show when we talk about the, the four games this weekend that are coming up.
1: Yeah. And let me just jump in here to say that this is the last one a Bet podcast for the football season, because we're getting down to just, you know, four games, It's harder for us to pick, you know, a lot of things that we want to handicap, we are going to be back down the road. There's March Madness coming. There's golf. We're figuring out ways to do other sports. Um, but this will be our last podcast. We're going to talk about uh, the remaining playoff games coming up. But uh, we'll be we'll we'll be with you down the road. Well, we should tweet out when when that
0: stuff's going to happen. And in the meantime, if you want to just put yourself on the download list so that you get informed when we drop a new episode, that would be my advice to our loyal listeners who I'd like to thank for continuing to support us this year for tweeting out their pics, for texting us and calling us and private messaging us and I think some of them even sent me dick pics but nonetheless I think that was
1: me by mistake oh okay. <laughs>
0: um no this has been really really good time so
1: yeah, it's been a great season, uh, so much fun, so many great stories to talk about. And let's turn our attention quickly to the four games coming up this weekend. Uh, the first game is Kansas City minus eight and a half over Jacksonville. And we're, again, we're going to talk about them really, really quickly. I think, I think Kansas City is going to cover the eight and a half. That's what I would take in that game. I think they are rested. Jacksonville is lucky to be in this game going into Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City dominates this game.
0: So I think Kansas City escapes with the win, but here's where I think more than a touchdown is is just too much to give in, in a playoff game like this. And if I want to take away anything from last week's game is that there just weren't that many blow. I mean, I guess, you know, the Miami Buffalo game was a lot closer than I thought it was. Um, and but eight and a half here, I just think Jacksonville um, can stick close. And I think Kansas City has a, has a history of just not blowing out their opponents. I do remember earlier in the season, they played Tennessee. Everyone thought they were going to just stomp all over them. They ended up being down most of the game and and ended up coming back to win barely. And I just see this one as being probably a one score game. So I think Kansas city ends up moving on, but I'm going to give Jacksonville some props and we'll keep it close.
1: Well, that's funny because that analysis is almost exactly what I would say about the next game, which is the Giants plus seven and a half over Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia wins that game, but the Giants cover. They're just been playing too well. Jalen Hurts is still a little bit rusty coming off of the injury. So I think that's a one score game. I do think Philadelphia wins by a field goal. Uh, They are the better team. Giants dream season comes to an end. Philadelphia will move on. Uh, but I would definitely take the Giants to cover that.
0: I'm on the same same way of thinking there. I th- I would take the Giants also. Um, I think we've seen the Eagles this year not take their foot off the gas and let teams end up being close. So the seven and a half points here is more than I'd want to lay. Um, but i I would say, and I've been very anti Giants most of the year. I I'd, I'd put my money on the Giants for this one. I think hopefully for the Eagles that they, that they win this one, but the way the Giants been playing and this being a huge divisional rivalry, it wouldn't even surprise me if, if the giants ended up pulling this one out of nowhere. So my bet here is clearly taking the points.
1: You're going to drive to Vegas and make a money line bet on the giants. I love that.
0: <laughs> I didn't say money line. I didn't say you said pull it out. <laughs> saying, let's go. Let's see surprised. it. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> You're Mr. Moneyline. You're the one that's been uh, been going out on a limb on those.
1: Yeah, you know, with definitely varied results. Uh, next game is the Bills minus four and a half over Cincinnati. This is a game I probably would not put money on. Both of these teams were a little shaky in their first round games. Uh, as you predicted Josh Allen will probably have a turnover or two. Cincinnati coming off of their scare I don't know what's going on with these two teams I guess bills because it's the home you know both you and I did like the bills at the very beginning of the season uh, I probably lean towards them I don't know what's going on in this game
0: I also don't know that I would make a bet on this game but although my initial leanings beginning of the year and throughout the year have been Buffalo I think Cincinnati has been my little darling these last six weeks. And I think that if I had to choose Cincinnati getting the points and like I mentioned earlier, being a little bit on the, we were, you know, already had this game a couple weeks ago and we're winning and we're playing. And, you know, I, I just see them coming in with an edge. You know, Buffalo's had a very emotional time. Let's, let's be honest. And you, you I, I love that organization. I love the story of that organization. I might even you know, get myself a Bill's Mafia t-shirt. But um, I think Cincinnati is going to come out of this one with the win.
1: Yeah, I was on Cincinnati and the money line in that game that got canceled. But that was in Cincinnati. This is in Buffalo. Uh, I would just pull back on this one myself. And going into the last game, 49ers minus three and a half. Over Dallas, I would be so all over 49ers to cover. I know Dallas played well, but 49ers are rolling. Until you prove to me that you can beat this team, until you can get within seven points of this team, I know Dallas is really, really strong. I think Brock Purdy is mature enough to get the ball out. As we know, he's got weapons all over the field. I like the 49ers in this game and beyond. I do too. And I'm now concerned that you and I like so
0: much of the same stuff this week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're concerned for your, (laughs) your results. It's probably uh, not, uh, not, not a bad thing for you to be thinking of like, why, why am I agreeing with David? What's going on? That's not good.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's never good when everyone, you know, thinks one thing's going to happen because usually the opposite occurs, but yeah, I don't see – this is where I see Dallas showing its hide side of itself and, and not showing up and, and winning this game. And, uh, you know, the 49ers are just quietly uh, a, a, just a flawless team that just beats the hell out of everyone and all by double digits. So giving up three-and-a-half here, I wouldn't be so worried about. I think San Francisco is the pick here. I think this one is an, it lines up to look like
1: an easy cash. So let's wind up this podcast by going back to week one, which I did re-listen to week one this week because I wanted to remind myself what you and I had predicted for the Super Bowl. And it turns out that you and I really were pretty close. We had some nice thoughts here. So as a reminder, we both liked Buffalo in the AFC. They're right there. Uh, So next week, uh, I think Buffalo and Kansas City are going to win. Buffalo, Kansas City in the AFC Championship, maybe. Uh, Buffalo can certainly get get there. In terms of the NFC, (laughs) we both had a little bit of a stumble and a more savvy pick. You liked um, Philadelphia, which is right on. They're certainly uh, right in the mix. Uh, And you also mentioned the Saints, which certainly did not happen. I initially picked the Rams to repeat which, uh, as we know, they just collapsed like a house of cards. But I did say that my dark horse was the 49ers back in week one. So I see Buffalo, Kansas City, I, you know, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and the NFC. I'm going to say that San Francisco beats Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with my dark horse from week one. They've been playing well. That's how I see it going down.
0: Wouldn't that be funny if your week one predictions were right, but your weeks one through 18 predictions just weren't up to snuff. I What's think your point? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> hey, how did we sound week one anyway? You went back and listened to us. I imagine we were a lot more quoting Fletch and, and being you know goofballs than we were serious analytical uh, handicappers.
1: Yeah, I, and I think I needed to step away from the sound effects machine. I definitely got a little overzealous <laughs> at times. Uh, Oh, you know, hope springs eternal. It was spring. We were excited about everything. But it was nice that we had, uh, you know, a beat on the season that we can talk about picks from season one that are still very much alive and, you know, to a certain extent favorites in the playoffs right now.
0: Well, I'm excited about watching the end of football. I'm not excited that the end of our little time together is going to be delayed for uh, a period of time. But I, like I said, this has been a great, learning, fun experience. We're memorialized in the uh, Hall of Fame for having released an entire season of picks. And uh, hopefully people can, uh, can listen to us and go back and listen to us. And who knows? I think uh, we'll, we'll have some improvements
1: for the next go-round. Yeah, stay with us. We're coming back. We've had a ball doing this. It's been it's been so much fun. This is the first of uh, many chapters in the One Bet uh, book. So, thanks for being with us. Follow us on Twitter. Give us your bets. Engage. We'll be back soon.
0: We got a Facebook page also called One uh, Bet Podcast, and in the eternal words of Erwin M. Fletcher, "Love your body ring."
1: I love it. Peace out, everybody.
0: your cast.